Pastor Phil is sick this morning, and you know if he's not preaching, he's pretty sick. But he's turned the corner, so don't text him and, you know, uh, this morning, just let him get some rest. But he's, uh, he's sick, and so uh, I uh, actually... Alex, can you get rid of this for me if you don't mind? We kind of forgot it right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch it out of the corner of my eye and think somebody's sneaking up on me the entire time during the service today. Um, but he's out today, so I'm going to be uh, delivering God's word to you today. We're going to continue the series on giving, but uh, rather than focus, f- focus on financial giving, I'm actually going to focus on your life as a gift given by God to the world. So if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope that you will take notes in some form or another, and I hope that you'll just silence your cell phone for a moment, unless that's how you look at your Bible. Uh, But the title of today's sermon is, Write Your Name on Your Staff. Write Your Name on Your Staff. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 17, verse 1. We're going to pick up the story today. It's been a very dramatic series of moments in the lives of Moses and Aaron. They are facing uh, disgruntled uh, church members, if you will, who would rather throw them off a cliff than follow them. And uh, their leadership is being criticized. Aaron's role as priest is being questioned. Essentially, they're debating whether or not it was right that Aaron alone was representing the priesthood. They were questioning Aaron's calling. That's what's going on right here. And I don't want to have to read you five minutes worth of biblical text to get you to that point. But just know that it is hitting the fan. Moses and Aaron are feeling like they're on the ropes. And they're questioning Aaron's calling. And we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 17. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs. One for each father's house, from all their chiefs according to the father's houses, 12 staffs. In other words, one staff for each of the 12 tribes. Write each man's name on his staff. And write Aaron's name for the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony. That is, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments that were in the Ark of the Covenant put the staffs before them where I'll meet you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's houses, 12 staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony. Behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die." Thus did Moses, as the Lord commanded him, so he did. Just place your hand on your heart and pray with me. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to speak to every heart this morning. Open the eyes of our hearts, as the Apostle Paul taught us, that we might see you. And in seeing you, that our lives might be changed. That this might not be just another Sunday, but this might be an encounter. We invite your spirit to speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It would take me probably about 
two or three weeks to properly set up this passage. And honestly, I'm not exaggerating. I thought about it. I think that there is about a year's worth of preaching material in this text and in the texts that are associated with this. But I had about 48 hours to prepare a sermon for you this week, and I've got about 25 minutes to deliver it. So I'm going to get right to the point if it's all the same to you. Is that fair enough? So I'm going to cut through all the clutter. I'm just going to get right to the point. And you're like, amen, the shorter, the better. Well, here we go. Here's the point. You have to write your name on your staff. Write that down. That's good. Just write it down. Write your name on your staff. Your staff is your life. Your staff is your identity. In that story, Moses had the 12 tribes present a staff and he wrote the family name on each, the tribal name on each, Judah, Benjamin, Issachar, and so on until he came to the staff, the tribe of Levi. And because Aaron was the prince of the tribe of Levi, his name went on that staff, 12 staffs, 12 tribes, 12 family names. You get it? So the whole point of writing the names on the staffs was so that God could settle the score about who was called to be priest. So Aaron was catching a lot of flack because he was the one that God had anointed or assigned to be priest. And everybody else is like, well, what makes you so special? Well, who do you think you are? Why do I go into Southern old woman voice whenever I'm criticizing? No offense. It's Southern mama boy. Well, who do you think you are anyhow? So Aaron's catching it, and God's like, you know what? I'm done with this. Moses, every one of these people, I was going to say suckers. Moses, every one of these people, I want for each family, each of the 12 tribes, who each had a role, by the way, I want them to give you a staff, and I want you to write their name on that staff. I'm done with this. But the only way that God could settle it was if each one had their name on it, and then God caused one staff to blossom. So in order for his staff to blossom, Aaron had to have his name written on his staff. And here it is. Like Moses did for Aaron, you have to write your name on your staff. You have to claim your family name. You're like, I don't know if I want to. You have to. You have to claim your story. You're like, there's some parts of my story I don't want to claim. I don't care. You have to. You're like, what, why do I have to claim it? Because until you write your name on your staff, God cannot take the barren branch of your life and cause it to blossom. Some of you have spent your entire life running from who you are, running from your family name, running from your history, running from your shame. And until you write your name on your staff and lay it before the Lord, the Lord will not cause your life to blossom. You have to write your name on your staff to claim it, to accept it, to say that it happened. You can't run from it. You have to claim it and name it. And that is the only time you will ever hear the words name it and claim it preached from this pulpit. You have to name it and claim it because until you claim it and write your name on the staff of your life and say, here I am, warts and all, the good, the bad, the ugly, the branch of your life will not blossom because you're always running from something. And God does not want people who are running from something. God wants people who are running to something. So you have to write your name 
on the staff of your life. God has a calling on your life. God has put a staff in your hand. You have a holy assignment like Aaron in the world. And you cannot listen to other people who say, who do you think you are? You remember when Jesus came preaching and healing and casting out demons and raising the dead? They said, is this not the son of the carpenter? Yes, the son of the carpenter. But while they were looking at him through the lens of the carpenter, they didn't realize he was the son of the most high God. And like Jesus, people may look at you and go, who do you think you are? And I'll go one more layer with you this morning since I'm out here on a ledge. I'll say you may look at your life and say, who am I? Who am I? Who am I to do this? Who am I to be called by God? Who am I to write my name on my staff? Who am I? I'm just to this or I'm just to that. Listen, I'll tell you who you are. You are a child of the living God. You are anointed and appointed. You are chosen. You have a staff of authority in your hand. And until you write your name on your staff, God will not cause the branch of your life to blossom. But when you say, God, here I am. Here's my name. I'm stepping forward. I'm surrendering this thing to you. Then God says, that's a woman I can use. That's a man that I can use. Too many people are looking around in life, waiting on somebody else to write your name on your staff. You tell me who I am. You help me find my identity. You don't need somebody else to help you figure out your identity. You are a child of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're scrolling through life trying to figure out who you are. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Comparison is the thief of joy. God has called you. I don't care how many followers you got. We don't need people with more followers. We need people who will follow Jesus. Write your daggum name on your staff and own it. Quit running from it. Quit worrying about it. Quit feeling the shame of it. Say, I am who I am in this moment. And if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Unless you see yourself as called by God, my friends, your life will always lack meaning and purpose. You have an assignment. You are called by God. You say, but I'm I'm not a preacher. You're called by God. You say, but I'm not a pastor. You are called by God. And I'll do one better. You are a priest of God. You know that the Bible says that you are a kingdom of priests. Did you know that? You ought to walk around. People say, what do you do for a living? You say, I'm a priest. Like, you don't look like a priest. Where's that little thing that goes around your neck? You say, I don't have one of those. I'm a different kind of a priest. But you work at Chick-fil-A. I know. I'm a priest making them spicy chicken sandwiches in the name of the Lord. But you're a third grade teacher. I know I'm a priestess, honey. If you can't hear the voice of God coming through, the voice of a third grade teacher shepherding her little flock of souls in the name of Jesus, even if it's not a Christian school, you're not listening. If you can't hear the voice of God coming through an airman as he turns a wrench working on a plane at some hangar somewhere and he does it with integrity and precision and treats his co-workers with respect, you're not listening. If you can't hear the voice of God coming through a plumber who comes in and gives a quote and then does a good job and a handshake seals the deal and he charge him what he says he's going to charge you, you're not listening. 
If you can't hear the voice of God coming through your everyday, ordinary life, it's not because God's not speaking, it's because you're not listening. There are no secular callings. There are only sacred callings in the world. The sacred-secular divide is a farce. You say, well, I work a secular job. No such thing, Jenny. Sorry, it doesn't exist. Sorry, Jenny, whoever you are. (laughs) There are no secular jobs in the world. There are only inferior imaginations. Because with the right intention and the right imagination, anything can be done for the glory of God. The way you go to high school can be done for the glory of God. The way you go to college can be done for the glory of God. The way you play softball can be done for the glory of God. The way you show up and put in a good day's work for a fair day's wage can be done for the glory of God. You don't have to be a pastor or a preacher or a missionary. We don't need more people on payroll at churches. We need more people on assignment in God's kingdom every day wherever you go. That's what we need. Because we're holed up here in the four walls of this place. You're out there as the salt of the earth. That's who you are. Write your name on your staff. And then put the word comma priest behind it. Start signing your emails like that and see what happens. That's just weird. Listen. A priest is someone who offers her or his whole life to God. A priest is someone who sees the whole world as an offering for God. A priest is one who stands in the gap for a dying world. A priest is one who sees the whole world as sacred. God is speaking through your life, Jenny, the priest. The second thing is this. Once you write your name on your staff, you have to surrender it to the Lord. Moses took those 12 staffs and he deposited them before the Ark of the Covenant and he left. And darkness falls and the staffs lay in solitude before the Lord. And Moses returns in the morning and he finds that Aaron's staff is no longer just a rod, but now it's a branch. And not just a branch, but it's put forth little buds And it puts forth little blossoms, and not only blossoms and flowers, but it also bore ripe almonds. Overnight, God causes the branch of of Aaron's life to bud and to blossom and to produce ripe almonds overnight. Listen to me, and you need to hear this. The staff of your life only blossoms in hiddenness in the presence of the Lord. The staff of your life only blossoms in hiddenness in the presence of the Lord. Some of you are trying so hard. And it's like you see people trying so hard to make something happen in their life, and you just sit back and you go, that's cute. Whenever you get tired of living according to human effort, the life of divine promise is always waiting for you. Whenever you get tired of trying to make something happen on your own, whenever you get tired of striving and performing for approval and trying to control situations, the moment that you surrender the staff of your life into the presence of the Lord, into the hiddenness, into the darkness, and you say, God, I trust you with my life. I don't want to be in charge of it anymore. I surrender all my authority. I surrender all of my ambition. I surrender all my hopes. I surrender all my dreams. I've signed my name on it. It's sealed, and I'm putting it in your presence, God. 
That's when God, in the hiddenness and the darkness where no other person looks, looks at the staff of your life and says, I'm going to cause it to bloom. I'm going to cause it to blossom. That girl trusts me. She's not running around looking for affirmation in the eyes of some boy anymore. Now that I see that and she surrendered to me, I can bring somebody into her life that God has for her. Some of us, I spent so much time going from relationship to relationship to relationship. And it was only whenever I said, Lord, I am finished with it all. I am out of gas and tired of all this drama. Did the Lord bring somebody in my life? I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Only whenever I got tired of running down my own career path and said, Lord, I don't want to do what I want to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll talk to whoever you want me to talk. I just want to follow you. I just want to serve you. I just want to love you all the days of my life. Does the Lord go, now that I can work with. And that's when the Lord set me on the path. And here I stand today. Your life is unique. Because while most things grow in the daylight, the staff of your life, your identity, your calling, what God has for you, that actually only blooms in the dark. You know, whenever God would meet with Moses, Joshua, the younger, started hanging around. And after Moses would leave, you know where Joshua would just linger? He'd just hang out in the tent with the Lord. We need more women and men who aren't looking for platforms, but who are looking for hiddenness. We need more people that will spend lingering hours, untold hours in the darkness with God, rather than coming out into the daylight saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. We live in an, in an economic world to where everybody's putting out the icon of their own life. But a true icon is not something that you look at and worship. A true icon is something that points to something higher than what it is. Your life is an icon, not so people can look at you and go, hey, here she is, isn't her life great? Your life is an icon so they can look through you and see Christ. Hide your life in Christ. Hide your life in Christ. Quit living according to human effort and hide your life in Christ. Then the Lord causes the staff of your life to blossom. Amen? You can't make it blossom on your own. You have to be patient with the process. Maybe you should write that down. You got to be patient with the process. One of the lies that I see in culture today is you can have whatever you want whenever you want it. Well, you may get what you want, but in the words of the prophet Sheryl Crow, it's not about having what you want. It's about wanting what you got. It's in the back of the Bible, guys. Trust me. These dudes back here look at me like, I don't know. You will, never, you will never be disappointed when you wait on what God has for your life. It may not look like anything is happening, but God is growing something in the dark. You may not see any sprouts at first, but God is growing something in the dark. You may not see buds in the beginning, but God is growing something in the dark. You may not see flowers flourish overnight, but God is growing something in the dark. You may look at your life and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. It's not up to you to understand what God is doing. It's up to you to lay the staff of your life in the presence of the Lord, having written your name on it, saying, God, you know all my past. And God says, and I also know your future. Because before I formed you in your mother's womb, I had plans for you. Plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you and give you hope. 
The world needs a little true hope today because it's littered with empty promises. But my hope is placed in one that not even death could keep him down. Not even a cross could nail him into the grave. My hope is fixed on one that the Holy Spirit resurrected on the third day. And now a human is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. And what God can do in the life of Jesus, God can do in you if you're willing to lay your staff in hiddenness before him. Because unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. But if it dies, behold, it produces much fruit. Surrender your life to the Lord. Lose your life and you find it. In due time, God will raise you up and God will reveal to you and to the world who you are. And now the end of the story. The end of the story is Moses goes and collects those staffs. <laughs> this, it's just, I, don't, I love the Bible. I love the Bible so much because here's Moses. I don't know, are you carrying it like this? Here's Moses. How does your Moses carry it? Does he have them all neat in his hands? Like my Moses is just struggling. Bro, it's been a long week for Moses. He's putting up with these stiff necked rebels. He's like, God, just kill them all. Wait, don't kill them. I got to have some people to go with me. And so Moses has got the, those 12 staffs, those 12 rods representing 12 tribes with 12 names. And only one of them, one of them, one of them is so heavy because it's got blossoms hanging off of it. Not just blossoms, but it's got almonds hanging off of it. And so he takes all 12 of them, he lays them out. There's Benjamin, there's Judah, and it goes on down. And they look at it and they go, whoa, look at Aaron's. His has almonds, almonds, full-grown almonds. Wow. And you know what the other 11 had to do? Shut their mouths. Aaron's like, take a suck of that, sucker. (laughs) Now, Aaron was probably like, thank you, God. Maybe they'll stop now. If you'll stop performing for approval, if you'll stop trying to make everybody else happy and let God raise you up, if you'll start looking to everybody else and the American dream to give you a hope and a future, God will give you what you need when you need it and cause the staff of your life to blossom. When you write your name on it, when you surrender it in hiddenness before him and say, I take my hands off of it, he'll give you back something that the world will look at it and go, wow. And you'll go, I know he did it. I didn't do it because I'm not living according to human effort. I'm just laying my life before the good and gracious hand of God. And what God does, no person can stop. Write your name on your staff. Surrender it before the Lord. And then just smile. Because what God does for you is what God does for you. And you don't have to worry about what God's doing for somebody else. Because that's what God's doing for somebody else. You see, each of them had an assignment, and they didn't want their own assignment. Whose assignment did they want? They wanted Aaron's assignment. But they weren't called to have Aaron's assignment. Nope. Why? Because they couldn't handle it. Why? Because God didn't call them to do what God was calling Aaron to do. The sooner you stop comparing your life to somebody else's is the moment that you can find satisfaction in who God called you to be. And that's where real joy comes from. God... My life, my identity, my calling is secure in you. But the Lord says, hey, Moses, you take Aaron's staff and you put it next to the ark. And forevermore, Aaron's budded staff resided with or inside of the ark. Aaron knew that the staff of his life was hidden in God. Forevermore, the staff of his life was hidden 
in God. My friends, I don't know what you're going through. You may despise the buds of small beginnings. You may look at your life and say, I don't see any fruit right now. I just encourage you, lay the staff of your life in the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, my entire life is yours because you only find meaning and purpose when you write your name on your own staff and surrender it to the Lord and let him do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes all over the room this morning. If you would say, Pastor Tommy, I have never surrendered my life to the Lord. I've been living my life my own way. I've been writing, writing my name on things all my life, and I've been ashamed in so many ways because I'm like, what's my purpose? What am I doing in life? I don't know. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're stumbling toward an encounter with God, and this morning is your moment. Because the Lord brought you here not just to have you sing some songs, not just to hear you hear some words, but the Lord brought you here to get a hold of your life and to tell you to stop running from your past and to start running with him into the future that he has for you. And if you're bold enough to say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want God to write my name on my staff for me. I want God to even tell me who I am. I need forgiveness. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I don't want to live according to human effort anymore. I want the Lord's will for my life. Could I see your hand? Could I see your hand? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we surrender our lives to you. We're tired of living according to human effort. We're tired of going our own way. We're tired of doing our own thing. We just want your best for our life because your best for our life, though you might call us into circumstances of pain, though there might be suffering along the way, all of that is just fertilizer so that God, I can grow in you and in due season produce the fruit that you want me to produce. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to follow you from this day forward. I give you my heart. I write my name on my life because God, I'm owning my past and now you'll forgive it and now you'll redeem it. And now you will call me God to be a priest, to be a person of influence, not in the world's ways, but to give you glory in all that I do in Jesus name. Amen. Part of repentance friends is stop going the direction you're going and start going a new direction. That means some things have to change. That means you need some Christian friends to walk with you along the way. That means you need to show up on Wednesday night and say, hey, I want to grow in God's word. We'll help you grow. Hey, I need some guys who can wrap their arms around me and help me grow. I'll find some men disciple makers who will walk with you. I need some women who will pray with me through the situation. We'll connect you with some people who will pray with you. You're not meant to go this alone. There's a community of faith that says they want to walk with you and they want to follow Jesus with you. Amen. I want, to, I want to end the service, not by focusing on my sermon. I want to end the service by focusing on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We want to honor him. We want to come to the family table this morning. We want to say, Jesus, you are the centerpiece. Jesus, your body was broken for us. In the same way that God fed Israel through all those years wandering in the desert, that bread that came every single morning, Jesus said, I'm actually the manna that fell all those years. Everything that the Bible had in types and shadows, Jesus had in his flesh and in his blood. So this morning, would you take with me the bread? All disciples of Jesus, take the bread. The bread represents his body broken for you. Whatever this needs to be for you this morning, I think that whenever you say, God, I need healing. God, I need hope. God, I'm experiencing brokenness. I think this can be this for you this morning by faith. Amen? Let's take the bread this morning. And likewise, after dinner, the cup, Jesus said, this cup 
It's the blood of the new covenant. I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. He taught them that so, so, so often throughout. I'm with you to the very end, guys. I'll go all the way, even giving my own blood for you. It's like a wedding ring that you'll never take off. It's a new covenant. Can we just say, Lord, forgive me for trying to live my life according to human effort. Forgive me. I want to follow you. Cleanse me. Bring me back from the exile which I've created and help me to follow you closely this morning. The forgiveness of sins is offered. Amen. Let's take it this morning. There's so much more I want to tell you this morning. But I think I've told you what the Lord wants you to hear this morning. And I want us to end together in unity. I want us to stand all across the room. And I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together. And I don't want us to rush through it. Because Jesus didn't just want you to say it. He wants you to live it. He wants you to chew on it in the heart of your life. Yeah. So when you say it this morning, you may not even know everything that it means. But just mean it the best way you can. Amen. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.